0: Hey guys, this is Ian K. Lauren, and right now you listen to like some wrestling shit. Now, right now, I'm in like this really angry mood right now because I'm at a point where I kind of want to like start cutting promos on motherfuckers right now because that's how angry I fucking am because of just one fucking. Big botch I fucking did today, actually, you know, which is totally my fucking fault. And you know what? It is. It is. It was what it was and what the fuck ever, you know, so I'm going to ramble a bit. I'm going to talk about a couple of things right now, just really two things on my mind right now, because it's going to be like kind of a short show right now. But I just need to get this out of my air. I want to talk about because everyone else has talked about it for the past like week and a half. And rightfully they should, about the passing of like beautiful Bobby Eden. For me, that's kind of crazy right now. Because like Bobby Eden was a huge part of like my wrestling youth as a guy who he's like a guy who like got me into pro wrestling. Wrestling the pack, the wrestling. So I want to talk about him a little bit on that. And I'm going to talk about, just for right now, I'm just going to talk about like Kristen Cage winning the Impact World title on AEW Rampage recently. And how I kind of feel about that. And also I'll talk about like the day a little bit, like really like the main event for and Empower, which is like Camille versus like AEW's Layla Hirsch. I'm going to talk about kind of those three points right now because I don't really have a full idea for a show. But but when I'm in this angry mood, I'm going to actually just go off on things. So that's how the fuck it's going to go. Now, first part, like part one of this three ring circus right now, I'm going to talk about the passing of beautiful Bobby Eden. And originally, between you and me, I had like a more... Full on show, like a lavish show about his life, his career, and everything else. And that was like my original plan. But as you know, in real life, you know what? Just real life just gets in the fucking way of bullshit, you know. And the shit that I want to do, I was literally too tired to fucking do it. Even though I wrote half the fucking show, but I'm, I'm just gonna go off the cut and just how my feelings about the man, you know what I mean, and what he commented to me. And I remember seeing like beautiful Bobby Hicks back in World Championship Wrestling or WCCW or Von Nerick territory for some of you cats off there. I remember seeing him with Ferris Conjury and a young Jim Cornette. And the package was already there as you already fucking knew. You know, that's the first time I saw him And they actually had like the bandanas around their necks because it was like very 1983. 1983- very Van Halen, 1984, you know, the band dance, the whole fucking thing, you know. That was the vibe, you know. But the cool thing is this is like back then when wrestling was still kinda real because Bobby Eden and this Comedy weren't the most like phogenic tag team out there, like a Ricky and Robert and some of that, you know. But they were great villains for their time, you know. They're great southern fucking heels. I mean, Bobby Eden was a little bit more like instant face looking. while Dennis Conjury, come on, let's be real. He looked kinda like a scumbag. Yummy know, I mean? you know, let's be fucking real here. You know. About that, you know. But the say about Dennis Conjury right now, it's about like Bobby Eden and like what Bobby Eden that it was has like the past like week and a half that the motherfucker knew how to sell. You know? And like when he hit you, or you hit him. You know what? You felt that shit, you know? Any punch he did, and he move he took, every stuff like that. And the funny thing is, like, he was... Pretty much will be, would be, he considered pretty motherfucking average. He'd be, like, jobber Bill today. In 2021. But, like, back in the day, let's be real. He was fucking shit, dude. He fucking was, man, you know? And... I can marry their matches with the Fantastics, the Rock and Roll Express, and then you had like later on stuff with like the Starbirds, with like the Stanley version of the Midnight Express. And you can talk about like the Dance Country stuff. So, I mean, and I'm actually going to talk about each version of like his most famous team and also a couple other teams he did before, kind of, you know. So, we're going to talk about that for a sec. Now, before we get to the good stuff a little bit, we will talk about a little bit, like, his early life a bit, actually. So, um, I'm going to talk about, like, a couple of his, like, prior attack teams before Midnight Express. His most famous was, with, like, George Gulas called the Jet Set, which was, like, named by his dad, like, Nick or is it the airway around? I don't remember. No, I don't really give that much of a shit about it, really, you know. Cause that was before my time. I didn't know who the hell that was, you know. But I found out doing the research I did, he actually teamed with people like what will be Ware and George all Types of people fighting like the first version of like the famous Hollywood blinds, like Jerry Brown and Future freebird buddy Jack Roberts. But he like I think Dale Valentine at times where like the um research i did on shit you know that's like some pirate stuff like that you know what i mean and also on youtube believe it or not the motherfucker was he was a good sub promo like and you can find this shit on youtube especially this one thing he did with like jimmy hart of all people for endory mid-america which and he was kind of like Believe it or not, he was like the Randy Orton of, like, NWA Mid-America back then, you know? He, like, won, like, every, almost every title there. He was actually a World Heavyweight Champion of that company, kind of. So, and they actually, like, I guess George Goulis actually loved him because he put him through the ranks and through the ranks, and they gave him, like, this really long couple-year of push, kind of, you know? as I read, which is surprising, you know? But looking back at him, like, the guy was affected in what the fuck he did, kind of, you know what I mean? And he will be a good hand in any, like, bigger company. He kind of proved that, you know? And, but it's kind of weird seeing, like, Bobby Eden is kind of like this Randy Oregon almost KO Omega type of figure, you know? He was, like, that over the singles wrestler, you know? Even though he became, like, an icon in, like, tag team wrestling, essentially, you know? But that's what they call it, like, a wrestling career, I guess. You know what I mean? And then what else, like, and he's, like, one of the guys who actually, like, grew up around the area, like, watching Mid America, like, in their EA version and actually set up the ring. So, like, wrestling was kind of, like, in what the hell he did, kind of, you know? And also because like, you kind of realize, because he was actually like very eloquent because like, but later like WCW promos, he got more like Boomhara, like King of the Hill. I mean, looking back on it, I guess, like he really didn't like keep up like his vocal, like skills because most of the shit he did, he did like in the ring. And he pretty much had like Jim Cornette and sometimes Dennis Kanji, do, like, the yapping for him, you know? So he didn't need to work on that game. But, I know you're waiting for the air. Stop so talking about life. Now, as you know, and I talked a little bit, like, in the beginning, intro thing, kind of, you know, about Jim Cornette's Midnight Express, which is, like, the way he came to, like, national and, like, iconic fame, being a part of, like, that tandem. But those who don't know for, like, but only, like, the wrestling geeks who kind of know, you know, Midnight Express has gone through technically, like, three incarnations or maybe four because you had, like, Dez Conjury, Randy Rose. You also had, like, Norval Austin up in there, actually. You know what I mean? And um, and then you have, like, the 1st phase version of, like, Dez Conjury and Bobby Eden and Jim Cornette. That's, like, the first iconic version that everyone kind of knows, you know what I mean, so. And like for that, I'll just say just as a critique, on you know, they were a team, they were built just for the territories, you know. They weren't what you call like ready for primetime or TV friendly, cause they weren't, you know what I mean. But they are good like, real like villains that you could like see them down the street and you wanna fucking hit them, you know. And the Midnight Express, Bless their hearts. They were good at what the fuck they did. That was facts, you know. You not like, fans to, like, really spit on you and, like, want you dead? Dennis Condry and Bobby Eden did that shit, you know? No matter where they fucking went. Like, in world-class NWA, Mid-South, where you want to call it, you know? And also because, like, Dennis Condry, just, like I said, he looks like... I don't know, just some, like, redneck, literally next door. You know what I mean? The guy definitely was a fucking wrestler. In, like, the aesthetic sense, you know? And actually, Beautiful Bobby was kind of more slightly, you know, photogenic than, like, Dennis Gondry, you know? If I'm being fair about that. I mean, so. But as a team, I mean, their shit with like, the Rockwell Express... And the Fantastics, those are, like, the big, huge feuds that everyone kind of knows. Everyone kind of, like, refers to when they're talking about, like, the Midnight Express, especially with Bobby Eden and so forth. I mean, those are, like, the two big feuds. And next, we're going to talk about the more, like, to be honest, like, aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, I like that little David Lerman type of thing because I was kind of in the mood and that's kind of the vibe I'm feeling right now, though. But now I'm going to talk about, life. like, what some people call, or honestly, I would call, aesthetically the more, like, pleasing version of the Midnight Express because the backstory for those who don't really fucking know, like, this country pretty much, you know, kind of, like, decides just to kind of, like, take a powder and just kind of, like, zone out Of like the life kind of you know which looking back in the especially in the era of like Dave Chappelle and him going to Africa for cracking up and blah blah especially even with people like me in a sense you know who feel that way like kind of zoning out and throwing everything away and kind of like disappearing for a bit you know what isn't that far-fetched now come to think of it you know so there's Conjury to his credit, it was kind of ahead of the curve, kind of, you know, for doing that. But for those who don't know, this version of the Midnight Express was definitely more, like, you know, teenly friendly, more aesthetically pleasing than, like, version number one, kind of, you know? you had, like, good-looking Bobby Eden, and you had, like, sexy Stan Lane. It's like, and also, he's like a guy, if anyone had to replace this, kind He's a guy who had the fucking like street cred to fucking do it because he was like a fabulous one. And he also did a lot of stuff too, like just doing other things. He was mostly like a fabulous one. So he actually knew like Eden, Convy, Cornette. So they all knew each other. So it made kind of honestly perfect sense for him to like be in the Midnight Express though, you know. And it's so weird because like in like the fabulous ones, you know, which is pretty much like the pre-Fantastics, but you know, he was like mostly like a baby Face. So like him going into like this heel situation was kind of interesting to say at least, you know? And also just to be honest, he actually brought a more like athletic, more slicker presentation to the Man Express. But once again, this ain't about Stan Lane, really, you know? But I just wanted to put that in perspective, how it goes to like Bobby Eden, actually. Because, I mean, because with the addition of Stan Lane and them being on like TBS, especially during like the beginning of like the turn era, kinda, you know, you have to kind of elevate your game, you know, because the Midnight Express, oh God, they were so, fucking spectacular during this time, you know, just the message that were like the horsemen versus the Steiner brothers Versus like even the Samoan SWAT team in which Jim Cornette has kind of said that like They're seeing themselves being buried and yeah, they probably were let's be real. They probably were kind of you know and But back to the point because pretty much like with visualize because I mean, Bobby's work in there, like the bumps he took and everything, especially like when they had like that little side thing with the whole dynamic dudes thing, you know. And the whole set was Jim Cornette was pretty much like setting him up to have like the Midnight Express like put go over on them. You know, it was kind of like a waste of an angle, kind of, which everyone kind of saw coming. And you know, it's bad. When, like, when Cornet hits, like, Shane Douglas over, like, the head, like, people starting to cheer because that's how shitty this angle fucking was and how not over it fucking was. But, um, about that. But then, like, but I think their greatest time as a team was pretty much, like, number one, like, they're almost pure few with the and which didn't quite get off the ground, actually. Especially, like, Arn and, like, Bobby being, like, people who grew up really next to each other or, like, lived next to each other, you know? So there's a little bit of, like, realism on that front, kind of, you know? And especially because, like, and um. since the class difference of the story, because, like, the Horsen were the elite, you know, no plan intended to like the Bucks and the Cast, you know. But the horses were like up there and the Midnight Express was a little under them. And the big story was, and Jim Cornette kinda said best is like, how can we prove that we're the best if you don't give us a shot of those titles, you know? And how the horses were pretty much ducking them. And how like Arm was trying to like play Kate Bobby and Bobby. And Stan, we're having that shit, you know what I mean? And then they beat, like, the Horsemen, and that was pretty dope, you know? Because they were, like, the U.S. and the World Tag Team Champions. And I do remember, like, this great promo that Jim Cornette do down after they won both titles, which is, like, an epic promo if you can fucking find it, you know what I mean? And Bobby, with, like, both belts, like, the World and the U.S. Tag Team belts, that was, like... So badass, that really was, you know what I mean? Which is like the grand escape of their time because mm, personally, hate to admit, like, and this is like my favorite version of the Midnight Express. And like my biggest memories of Bobby Eden during that time, so. Now I'm gonna actually talk about um, an obscure tag team that only lasted probably like literally a couple of months. And they are called Bad Attitude. It was technically Bobby Eaton and Steve Cairn, of all people. You know what I mean? Which, once again, makes a lot of sense, because you got, like, the Midnight Express versus, like, the Fabulous Ones versus the Fantastics and Jim Cornette And you have people of that culture in that time. And they actually didn't go anywhere as a tag team, and they had, like, the kind of semi-Midnight Express type of, like, gear, though. But they didn't really get past, like, WCW Pro, really. And they were, like, an okay tag team. But, like, Curran was kind of, like, a little past it, you know. And Bobby Eden, who looked like, in America, he looked pretty streamlined when this happened. He actually looked a little bit younger than he did originally. Because, like, to be honest, like, the old Bobby Eden had a little bit of, like, you know, baby fat, like, around but that may him seem more like a real person, but that's near here or there, I guess. But this was the 1980s where you have to look more like aesthetically pleasing, kind of. You know, Vitsick, man, WWF and all that, I guess. You know, but that's near. I always say it's, that's near here or there. by I kind of things because sometimes in my mind, it's near here or there, I guess. You know, I mean, there you go on that. But, um, overall, okay team, but they really didn't, like, go anywhere even past, like, the lower card, especially, like, the two kind of tag team legends on that team, you know? It's kind of surprising that it didn't, they didn't really, like, at least get, like, one shot at, like, the world tag team titles, kind of, you know? But if I remember, like, my history, this was, like, literally the, 91, I think, you know, 1991. I think it was like the era of like the Steiner Brothers, so I could be wrong about that. So now, technically, like they didn't really have a team name other than like Anderson Eden off the Dangerous Alliance. So, but like Aaron Anderson and Bobby Eden was probably like literally the best tag team that from like the gray stable, you don't remember. so you know, called the Dangerous Alliance. But, um, but it was like, literally like a tag team geek's wet dream, okay? And like, a tag team with like Tully Blanchard and like RPO like, and then later on Paul Roman, but that don't fucking matter. But mostly his team was like Tully Blanchard and Ole Anderson and being in the full horseman and being just like an NWA like tag team and singles icon. But in some places, he's like a tag team God. In some places, he's like probably one of the best wrestlers never to win the NWA world championship. That's neither here nor there. And the other side, you have Bobby Eden of the fucking two successful versions of the Midnight Express. Conjury and Lane just like that Pegree alone was like pretty much box office for like any tag team wrestling fan or any geek of that time kind of you know and also because like and that and they fought the Steiners too son of a bitch oh my god and some of the matches were like bangers they really kind of were but they weren't that many and honestly the group, the Dangerous Alliance didn't last that long. I think the Dangerous Alliance lasted about like nine months and shit before like it totally imploded. Had to get some water there for a minute. But honestly like Anderson Eden, like the work they did together, And also because in real life as a lot of people knew they are like pretty much best friends. That had to be like a really great time in his like career, actually. So, more longer just like a few months. but now we gotta talk about Lloyd because, like, other than being like a tag team legend, he actually had like a decent like. Mid car career, kind of. Now I talked a little bit about his time in like NWA, N-W-A Mid America. Excuse eh. me. Sorry about that. Kind of. I'm a little, eh, right now. <laughs> you know, a little tired, a little pissed off, and but but then also he to has time that like he actually won like. His probably his greatest prize, like the NWA world television title, you know. Which is like I think a great achievement for the guy, honestly. You know, I mean, of all like the time he put in. The NWA and WCW for him to like win the world television title. I personally love that as a fan. I thought was really fucking awesome. See, and I didn't know about like his mid-America past life, actually. But back then, all you had was like the aftermags. You didn't have the internet like the kids do now, or like historians to tell you about what happened beforehand. So, I mean, so this is kind of new on that point there. So, um, but him winning the World Television title was like a revelation, I thought. And he was like a decent World TV champion. I mean, the guy wasn't gonna be Arn Anderson, but who the hell is gonna be Arn Anderson? I mean, that's fucking crazy, you know. It, it was like and then he lost, like some guy named like Steve Austin. Like, you know. And losing to Steve Austin wasn't a bad thing because he did the job and he put like Steve Austin over, you know. And this is before he actually joined the Danger Alliance, so just playing perspective. But now we gotta talk about it. We gotta talk about the Alabama jam. Seriously, how did Bobby Eden did not break his fucking ass doing that fucking move? Like the long time. Always in the beginning kind of now. And mind you, one is so used to like who are and leg jobs off the top ropes and like crazy ass moves. Back then, in 1986, I think, the Alabama Jam was, like, pretty crazy because, like, you pretty much got off the third or second rope, kind of, and you fell on your ass, like, Hulk Hogan-style on top of someone, actually, you know? And then what Bob Holly kind of did, like, his version called the Alabama Slam, kind of, you know, which isn't the same thing, but, you know, homage is homage, I guess, you know, but... That Every time I see Bobby Eden do that move, it always, like, make me wince a bit because that had to fucking hurt his ass, okay, to do that move. And then you can tell later on when he got, like, more established, he didn't do the gym that much anymore, but he still did the knee, you know what I mean? Which I thought was kind of a cool thing of beauty. And that's something I personally kind of did because I love when wrestlers took, like, you know, knees like the dick, kind of you know I like love that that was kind of cool like did Bobby Eden deserve to go even to like the US title Eh, really no not really you know the world television title was perfect for him and in like the NWA slash WCW that wasn't going to happen you mean so it was what it was you know his career like peaked after that, no, I'm not going to talk about, like, his stuff with, like, the Heavenly Bodies or anything like that or Smoky Mountain. Because, in my opinion, after, like, the Dangerous Alliance, pretty much, you know, what? Bobby Eden kind of peaked. And that's how I like to remember him, like, wrestling-wise. Peaking with the whole Dangerous Alliance, I feel. I mean, you know, and anything else like that, it's just kind of gravy. it's kind of like warm feelings of nostalgia, kind of. And to end on his legacy, he was like one of the guys who proved that you didn't have to look like Fandango or like Tyler Breeze to be successful in wrestling, you know. He was pretty much like an average guy with a great skill for wrestling. You got to give it to him, you know. He was like an amazing tag team wrestler. And think about it, because wrestling, you have to sell and you have to act a bit. And Bobby Eden was good at that. He was good at reacting. And honestly, he was like a part of like my youth. And I'm not saying that, I'm, I gonna say that like, you know, when the news of his passing, I heard about that, it like kind of hit me in the gut a little bit, you know, because it's like Bobby Eden, you know what I mean? You seem like dudes like him would, like, live forever. You know what I mean? But, you know, he had a good, long life. You know what I mean? I want to say real talk. Rest in peace, Bobby Eden. And I'll see you down the road. Now I'm going to talk about this thing that's been kind of, like, gnawing at me a little bit. And I usually don't do, like, weekly, weekly stuff because, like, that would be too tiring. I don't know how, like, guys kind of do, like, the weekly, weekly stuff all the fucking time. I don't fucking see it. But I do want to talk about, like, the match between Kenny Omega and Christian Cage. And Christian Cage winning, like, the Impact World title. Now, think about that, I don't know how to feel about this. You know, because, like, and I do see the symbolism of him being, like, a former, like, NWA and TNA World Champion, you know, I get the symbolism of that kind of, but in my personal opinion, and people can say like online that Impact's getting the short end of the stick between like this and AEW, and that's been like one of the narratives online with like the people, but in my personal opinion, in this situation, Impact is getting fucked here, in my opinion. They really fucking are because he's like an AW wrestler winning like the N sorry, the impact world title. It makes it look the impact title like really in fucking inferior. And also, and it's not Moose, the phony Kenny Omega. Wow. I mean, that just was a spit in the face to him, especially since you resigned for like two more years and shit, you know. And yeah, he'll probably get the world title, but like the luster of that moment's now gone because it was taken away by fucking Christian Cage and the booking of that shit. And now I'm starting to see why like Barry Corrigan and Nick Aldis are not trying to fuck with like AEW in that way because of how they might fucking look and come out looking like, you know what I mean? Now some people say, "Oh, it's like a big grander plan." Some of that you know, the original plan for a lot of people was like Adam Page was gonna like do Don Kenny, like literally like from two years from now, and that was the big plan. But more recently, that's fucking changed now. And from the Impact side, everyone thought that everyone was like pushing me to be like this next big guy for Impact, you know. They've been pushing behind them. They just re-signed them. And that was like the narrative that a lot of fans were like hoping for. But then there's been like these weird changing stuff. You know I mean? I guess as a fan, it's like exciting, I guess, you know. But if you've been cheering for like Moose or Adam Page, kind of, you know, you feel like a little disappointed that that's not how it's going to go right now. For Adam Page, like, he needs time away. That's what I've been reading. But with Moose, this is fucking time, you know what? And he's going to dethrone Kenny, like, what's the point in, like, dethroning Kenny now? You know what I mean? Christian Cage got the title. It's kind of like it made Moose, in my opinion, feel a little irrelevant, you know, to the whole thing, you know? And um, it made Moose seem like an also-ran, especially, like, what personally I would have done I would have, like, not been a part of, like, the team trying to fight up, like, the good bars and blah, blah. I would be, like, away from them. I wouldn't be some big defender Impact. I wouldn't do it. I mean, so, especially if you want, like, that aura, because I think Moose's aura has been kind of shattered now because of, like, Christian Cage's win, unfortunately. You know, and it's kind of like... Now, if like Moose wins against like Christian Cage, it's kind of like, so why? That it really doesn't mean anything, you know, it would have to be against Kenny. Unless Kenny like gets it back in some way or not, and then Moose beats him. That's the only fucking way that any victory for Moose and like impact on that heavyweight level will fucking matter. But that's just my personal opinion of it. You can take that. I'll leave that. So. Now, I think the NWA Empower card, it's going to be an okay card, actually. You know what I mean? Because we all know that, like, Molina's going to do the job. Kind of, like, intrigued about a little bit is actually like Camille versus like Layla Hurst for like the women's title. You know, what I mean, so because it's an interesting like. kind of when he was this character called The Pug yeah I know it's a deep cup reference so you gotta look up that character like Alex Porto The Pug DWF. but um and she was like that NRA and you know what and she's like well like she like underdog girl and he found, like, he's kind of like not fixing water or anything like that but he's kind of like not know But That could go But Leah Hirsch It's kind of like She's like a Really cute Bass Little bulldog You know And that's why I personally like her I think she's like Really kind of like Sick in the rain Kind of You know what I mean So Now you have Camille Who Is A marquee figure And you know why That Billy Put a child on her She's like I'll, I say this in the most loving way, but he's essentially Lex Luger. You know mean? So, a great-looking, Ferrari-looking person with, like, so-so wrestling skills. You know what I mean? But she has a presence, and that's, like, the biggest plus. He's definitely, like, a marquee person who can, like, bring people in, you know? So, this match is going to be, like, interesting just because a mix of styles... And how that's gonna go. And Camille, she is not gonna go toe to toe with Leah Hurst. That shit's not gonna fucking happen. I know it, you know it, everyone fucking knows it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Real talk. I mean, so. But it's gonna be interesting, like how Leah Hurst has got pretty much like wrestle circles around her and how Camille has to like react to that. You know what I mean? So. Or how Leah Hurst will like help Camille. Look more dominant and so forth. That's pretty much, I think, what Leah Hurst is going to do. This is like what I think how the match is going to go. That Leah Hurst will do the selling and make Camille look dynamic, like the big bad. And then hopefully, Leah Hurst will get some like her best game on a little bit in the match. You and also, it'll be like, you know for like like that type I mean, Empower is going to be an interesting card, but I actually have my like, um, ideas for Empower, but that's just me. And like, I might talk about them maybe like a couple days before like the big pay per view will happen about that, you know? And that's. Why with that I feel and um but NWA seventy three is turning out to be okay. You know I mean it's not spectacular. There's not there's no big standout match. Cause we're gonna have like Aldous versus Trevor Murdoch which will be like a good match of course, I mean, you know. And then you have like Kratos and Aaron Stevens, the like the NWA World Tag titles. But seriously, like seriously, break them the fuck up. You know, and Aaron Stevens as, like, a contender for the world title, eh, I don't see it. He doesn't have the gravitas to actually even be in the same ring with Nick Aldis. And I like Aaron Stevens. I love what he does. He has niche. I love what he does. But as a top guy, nope. He had a chance to be a top guy in, like, Impact, and that fucking fizzled. So, that's all I got to say about that. Now, I want to thank you guys for letting me ramble a bit because I was, you know, a very very angry fucking plague right now. Still kind of am because, unfortunately, I lost my fucking wallet and that fucking sucks. So, I'm trying to like my best not to like, break all the walls of my fucking house right now, you know? I want to say this is Ian K. Lauren, And you will listen to some wrestling shit. And I will see you down the road.